Hi, I'm Mark Haywood, and this is Behind the Spine, a podcast which finds learning opportunities for writers in the most unlikely of places. If you cast the audience inside the story, that's the bit where sort of where magic happens. Our ability to immerse ourselves in stories has never been greater. As video game technology has improved, it has become a triumphant example of the power of personalised storytelling. Interactivity is even being unlocked within the once static and passive experience of cinema and television with the likes of 2018's Bandersnatch hitting the mainstream. It's clear that as audiences we are drawn to the allure of immersion, a point Sam Loveridge made in series one of the podcast. You forget how much choice empowers people. I know I found it very difficult in in this lockdown times to really engage with movies and TV because it just feels like too passive an experience. Whereas like in video games, you are taking that journey. You are getting on that bus and going to that place or you are flying to your Animal Crossing island or you are solving the, the mystery of your missing son. But outside of video games, the concept of choosing your own path in a story or of driving other characters' actions, of creating your own butterfly effect, remains relatively on the fringe. And actually, what we've experienced so far remains limited, barely scratching the surface of what's achievable. But we're now finding new ways to push the boundaries through experiences we never thought possible. Charisma.ai is a company which uses artificial intelligence to create fully immersive character-driven stories. And our guest today is their chief executive officer, Guy Gadney. Chapter 1. Not so futuristic. For a long time, books, television and cinema have occupied this very linear and one-way format of entertainment. It's a format audiences enjoy. It's comfortable, but it often leaves us wanting more. Have you ever watched an epic film at the cinema and wished you were part of the world you just experienced on screen? Or found yourself shouting at a character on television who is clearly making the wrong decision, only to have your words fall on deaf ears? We want to be a part of the story as it unfolds, to have our own unique experiences, and in many ways that's not the futuristic idea it appears to be. There are entertainment forms that exist now that offer a glimpse into that sort of immersion. But what Charisma is doing with artificial intelligence is bringing audiences closer to the story than ever before. There are are a couple of quite revolutionary points here that are emerging. One, uh, and I think the the most key one, is the shift from one way to two way. That single act of understanding that there is feedback, that there is a, there is activity that is happening within the story that is dependent on what you do as the audience, as the, as the reader, as the player, whatever you want to call them, is pretty seismic actually and and it has it has enormous knock-on implications for the way that stories are written and i think why ai is interesting in this is because prior to um to ai we were operating in quite a restricted space where the branching narrative that that we could create would be pretty hard-coded there wasn't that sense of flexibility or fluidity But as we start to then bring in elements that sit underneath the broad umbrella of artificial intelligence, so elements like natural language processing, machine learning, all sorts of different types of of machine learning, that that response from the story back to the the player can be a lot more personalized, a lot more fluid and feel a lot more real. 
And I think the other thing to say is, well, while people may be listening and going, my God, this all sounds so futuristic and why on earth would we want to do this? Actually, my view is that this harks back to the core of storytelling, to before the book, to when we had wandering troubadours, we had storytellers at the court, and that what would happen with those with those wandering minstrels or troubadours was, was that they would stop in a particular town or city, listen to the gossip in the inns, and then write that gossip, write the characters in, write the local events that had happened into their, into their narrative that would then form the stories that they'd tell the next day. So in that instance, there was always this sense of immersion, of of personalization, of involving an audience into, uh, into a story. So it, again, it, 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 there is an irony and, and perhaps it can be an unpopular view for publishers, but that the book in some ways did put up immense barriers between, between a, a, an author and, and an audience. And I feel that in some ways what, what we can now do is, is bring those, those barriers back down again and be a lot closer to the stories that we love. That's fascinating because if I think about something, anybody who's ever stood in the yard at the Globe Theatre and watched a Shakespeare production, something like, I'm, I'm always drawn to something like Henry V, there is, you know, outrage and booing and hissing whenever the French army um, have a scene on the, the audience is very emerged in it. It's almost pantomime. And I guess that's sort of my earliest. We, we spoke at the end of uh, series one to, to Debbie McGee about pantomime and about magic. And, and you know, we talked about the fact that you do feel part of the performance at a pantomime because you get to do the whole, you know, he's behind you. Oh, no, it isn't type you know, type stuff. And I think about books from my childhood. I used to play, you know, for a couple of years, I, I played a few adventure game books where you would skip around the book, rolling rolling dice and moving from one stage uh, to another. You roll the clock forward, you have immersive theatre in the form of promenade theatre or maybe people like Punch Drunk where you can follow either a particular character or a particular object. What you're doing is... is you know, the book aside, it's simply, from what I understand, it's a natural extension of the democracy of story and storytelling and how we want to immerse ourselves in it. You're you're just using technology to further immersion. Is that right? Yeah. And I think you're spot on to pick up on theatre. I think there is a a natural um, prejudice that we, we, we revert to thinking about stories as being in books. It's a, it's a sort of natural uh, alliance as being the core of a story, but it's not. Stories exist in different forms according to their medium, much in sort of Marshall McLuhan's sort of uh, academic theory. And we find ourselves incredibly allied to the theatre performances, largely because theatre performances are the closest to audiences of, of any medium at the moment, you know. and. You can see this borne out if at every, every after every performance of every theatre where everyone will say, "Oh, you've been a great audience," and there's a lot of meaning behind that, which is that if you're not a good audience, there is some implicit sort of interaction there that says, "If you're not a good audience, then we won't be able to perform brilliantly." But if you are a good audience, then we're going to raise our game as a, as 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 performers, and then to the extension of immersive theatre as a you know, uh, named genre, but I'd, 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 I'd argue in some ways there's always been a level of immersion in, in theatre. We feel very allied to that. I mean, 
you know, commercially, we've worked with three different immersive theatre productions, two over the lockdown period of how we can take immersive theatre into a digital form. And it's a lot easier than adapting a book, I'll tell you that. There's, and, and you referenced Debbie McGee in there and, and Magic. You know, the production we did of Alice in Wonderland with Creation Theatre and Big Telly ended on a magic trip, a live magic trip, uh, where the audience all had cards and had to pick a card, any card, as you do. And then from the other side, Alice had to guess the card that was face down on the audience's table. And then she picks a card, holds it up, and there's the card that you've got on your table. I mean, it, I still don't know how that piece of magic was done. It was brilliant. So all of these things are, are eminently possible. And I think, you know, we do, we look at theatre and immersive theatre for, for inspiration and, and do feel a kindred spirit with those storytellers as well. Is there a sense that given the state of the world, that AI and what you're trying to do with it and use it for could actually provide um, a much needed solution for things like theatre, where we are unable to meet in large groups in traditional theatre venues, if we put them online and use AI, can we not only keep theatre going, but also take it to new levels that we haven't had before? Yes, very much so. And the, and the reason for that is this. You, you can look at how the theatre industry has, has responded to the pandemic. And the first knee-jerk reaction was, oh, look, we've got loads of video footage of our uh, productions. Let's shove it up on YouTube for free. You know, implicit in that is give, give our audiences something to do. That is disastrous for the industry. It should, it is a, it's not a good digital strategy because, uh, paraphrase the old song, you know, free, free is just another word for nothing left to lose. You don't want to, you don't want to, to do that because then you're setting the audience expectations that a performance, a theatre performance is free because it's online. Uh, and, and that, again, that is, that is dangerous for, for the theatre economy. However, if you can use the medium, almost like a series of new paintbrushes that, that can tell the story, then we have something special. And again, I go back to the, 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 the Alice in Wonderland production we did. It was, it incorporated, you know, the AI and Charisma and Charisma.ai, which is our platform. It incorporated multiplayer games, it incorporated magic, it incorporated all sorts of new technologies. And the audiences loved it because they, they felt a part of the story. That's what we were, that's what we could do with the technology is we could make them feel a part of that story. To, to, to lead forward from there, really, we then felt, and we felt very early on in that production, that we were doing something new. And we were doing something that was going to be useful for the, for the theatre industry. Uh, and by the way, we, it was charged, you know, it was £20 a ticket for that, which was a family, family ticket. So if you've got, say, four people in the family, then that's actually pretty good value compared to, you know, any other entertainment experience. So we felt very early on that this was something important. Um, so we commissioned the, the, the book of it, the playbook of it, which you know we, we published in, in mid-November. And it's an interesting way that we did the book because we didn't want to do a manual that says, here's how we did Zoom, here's how we did a game. We did it as a series of interviews with the cast and the crew to really tease out how they felt about the production. What they did is in there, of course, but it's more around how they felt. And that's important because we're, we're people, we're humans. And especially going through the pandemic where there was such, and still remains and will remain for a while, such uncertainty in the theatre industry. We wanted to say, 
this is how we felt about it. This is what we did. These were the strange things about being an actor, playing Alice or the Mad Hatter from your living room or indeed someone else's living room. So you're getting not just the the how-to manual, but the insights into into how in, in, that was what went behind the scenes of that show. So I do think I do think there is definitely a way forward. You know, it has to be said it's not a replacement for theatre. It's not a replacement for theatre, but it is an additional um, sort of evolution of theatre, and it's an evolution that can generate money for for actors and performers and, and cast and crew, and that is my God, we need. Chapter 2, The Art of the Possible. I urge you to experience artificial intelligence-driven storytelling firsthand because it's very hard to imagine just how compelling it is until you're in it. Personally, I wasn't expecting to have my mind blown as much as it was. The biggest limit in this space isn't what the technology is capable of. It's in broadening the minds of our audiences so that they buy into the concept of immersive stories, that they see it's not just a fad. Well, I think technology, is, as, uh, as has been said, is overestimated in the short term. Uh, the impact of technology is overestimated in the short term and underestimated in the long term. And I think the reason for that is that people get attracted to the bright, shiny things that you can do with technology which tend to be quite gimmicky. And those are the things that are lauded in the short term, whereas actually the big change is what happens and comes in the, in the second wave in the long term. And to move from move forward from the base that something like Netflix's Bandersnatch established, which is, as you say, a sort of button press, go left, go right. You're in control of the story to an extent, to an extent, but you're not in the story. And that's, 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 that's a key difference that is enabled by AI and enabled by the work that we're doing. Because if you cast the audience inside the story, that's the bit where um, sort of where magic happens, where, where uh, suddenly the, you're, you're starting to think about a structure where, where you have to think about who the audience member actually is. Are they the protagonist? Are they, are they an antagonist? What is their relationship between the protagonist and the antagonist? And as you as you picked up on, are they cast as someone within the story? You know, if it's Star Wars, are they playing Chewbacca? Are they playing Han Solo or Leia? Or are they going into that universe as, the, as themselves? Now, our view, after you know, significant consideration, is you go in as you. And the reason for that is that our simple piece is that you, when you go into a charisma story, the way that you interact with the characters is via natural language. So you talk to them rather than pressing buttons to go left and right. You talk to them as I'm talking to you now and the characters talk back to you. And what you say to those characters influences the story. That's the sort of, that's the simple premise that we're operating on. When you then start to think about how you tell a story like that, Yes, it is. It's creatively really challenging, but I love that because suddenly the author is not just writing a monologue where they're writing down their own thoughts and they're following on from uh, from act one to act two or chapter one to chapter two. They're now having to put themselves inside the story and think about their audience more. It's a different positioning of the author and it's a different positioning of, of the audience. And again, I go back to why you would do it because then the end result is that as, a, as an audience, 
member or as a reader or as a viewer, I, I feel closer to that story. I feel closer to the characters. I feel empathy with the characters. And almost I'm starting to have a relationship with those characters. And that relationship may extend beyond the, you know, hour and a half, the hour, the hour and a half, the two hours that, that we're normally used to being in a story, like a movie. It may extend to weeks, months, years that I live with this character as it, as it moves through. And, and, and while that may sound crazy, actually, it's sort of where we are now with the, with the, the rise of the, of the mega series on TV whether it's say Sherlock, which will have only a couple of episodes and then a break for a year or Game of Thrones or, or Lord of the Rings that may run, you know, that, or Star Wars indeed, that, that where the canon runs for, for decades. We have a relationship with those characters. It's just, we can't talk to them. And wouldn't it be nice if we could? And I think that's what, that's what AI allows. Chapter three, authentic characters. Too often, writers put characters into scenes purely to advance the plot or to aid another character's story arc. But with this form of storytelling, that's not an option. Creating a story that changes based on the person experiencing it is a writing challenge like no other. A new level of detail is needed to flesh out the characters you're creating because you don't have the luxury of choosing their reactions to every situation. When an audience member can ask a character anything... They need to feel that the answers they receive are genuine and in keeping with that character's personality. But even if you're not writing for an artificial intelligence-driven story, this still provides an important lesson. As writers, we should lavish attention on all of our characters to give them all fully rounded personalities of their own. So how do Guy and his team handle this immense challenge? If you think of a story that is made up traditionally of characters and then the narrative, which is what happens to the characters, and then the story world, which is where that stuff happens. There is a balance between those three. And for us, that balance skews very heavily into the character. The reason for that is that the medium in which we operate is a communications medium, it's the internet. It's built for communications. That is its DNA, that's what it was built for. And so to match that medium, it's natural that we that we highlight and put on the pedestal the characters and, and that they communicate through that medium. I would highlight two things in the writing process that I think are quite uh, revolutionary in the way that we need to think about stories. And they are they, they hide just under the, the surface of the experience um, that we create. And one is memory and the other one is emotion. And if your character that you are writing has memory, it, it becomes very different. So for example, if I'm reading a book and I put that book down or I laugh or I cry, the character in that book has no memory that I did that, not aware of that. Neither is, the, is, is it the case in film or in TV, but in our world it is. And our characters naturally remember what, what the viewer has said. And that is significant because if you think about that now and match it into real life, that will impact the story. And a lot of our stories revolve around that. So it's not just being able to say, um, 
hi, what's your name? You say, my name's Mark. And uh, they say, hi, Mark, nice to see you. That's a trick. That's a nice way to bring you into the story. But if, there's, if, if you've answered a particular question in a particular way, that will change the story. And to give an example, and I, I apologize in advance for this one, but I walk into a party and I see two people. Let's say I see the protagonist and the antagonist in there. The antagonist says, Mark, what's your views on Brexit? Because we're having an argument about it. Now, what you now say is going to influence your relationship with the protagonist or the antagonist, depending on which decision you make. And that decision is going to, say, increase the trust levels of character A or character B, depending on which way you go, and that's going to impact the story. So the impact of memory is significant. And the same thing applies really with emotion, which is that I go back to that example of, of the conversation at the party. If I change the emotion of a particular character in the story through what I've said to them, through the actions that I've taken, that should impact the story as well. I should, if I make them feel happy or I make them feel sad, angry or, or calm, those are the things which I think fundamentally highlight why this is a different medium, why it's a different way to think about things, and also the potential of why these characters sh should feel real, why they are not Alexa or Siri or you know any of the other chatbots, which, as I've talked about before, are really designed, those, those technologies are designed by technology people for technological solutions, which are largely driven by call centers, uh, you know, to triage you down certain pathways to fix whatever it might be, or if it's in the case of Amazon, it's pushing you towards a retail, you know, to buy something on Amazon retail. It's not about entertainment. They're trying to get you in and out of the, of the experience as fast as possible. We're trying to keep you in. And the characters we want to have should feel emotionally rounded enough that, as I said, you could have a relation. You should feel like there is a relationship there. You should feel that they're listening to you and that they are acting on, on, on your input into the story. So emotion and, and, and memory for us are, uh, they run very, very deep through the way that we think about the future of story because they are different. Listeners could uh, go onto the charisma.ai website and, and get a sense of the work that you have done. Could you give us a sense as to what the future slate currently looks like? What are you working on at the moment? It's really exciting, actually, because I think what we do is that we we open up Pandora's boxes every day, you know, it, it, or, 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 you know, my kids are obsessed with this show, Storage Hunters, where they go, you know, they open up these old lockers and they go in and see what, you know, and we're, we're, we're discovering new things every day about this. And I think it's down two pathways. One is, and, and, and these are the part, these are the areas that we operate in. One is uh, the impact on, on television and TV uh, experiences. And we think there's an enormous, enormous opportunity that was really heralded by Netflix and, and Bandersnatch and they are they and their ongoing commitment to the to to interactive storytelling. Uh, so we see a huge opportunity there. Of, and, and we produced a, a project with Sky for their show Bulletproof at the, at the beginning of uh, of 2020, which was a proof of concept of how to produce one of these. And we continue to explore that. But then, equally, we've we've been experimenting this year with another similar form so again looking at books but you know again i don't want to define that that medium because we realized that again we had a kindred spirit overlap with the graphic novel industry 
And as we know, in, in the UK, sort of our understanding of that medium is largely, hey, Tintin and Asterix, which again, you know, are not English stories. But you look at France, you look at Italy, Spain, Belgium, the, it, these stories are fundamentally part of their culture, part of their narrative, part of the, the, the learning process, as indeed they are in Japan, Korea, and the US with Marvel and DC. For us, it was perfect because, of course, we are, as I said, we, you know, charisma is all about dialogue. It's all about conversation. And guess what? The comic books and the narrative uh, and, and, and the graphic novel industry, those books are 95% dialogue. So it's perfect for us. And they're illustrated. So we created the app to adapt some of those. And then we continued that with the second writer's lab we did um, to experiment with original form to see what that would feel like. And then more recently, in the last couple of months, we've opened up the app and the platform so that anyone can write any stories. And they're really, really short form stories and experiment. So in that sense, what we do there is, is, uh, is, a, is like a sandbox. We can, any, you know, people can, can write little scenarios. The scenario I gave earlier about walking into a party, you know, just write that, what does it feel like? Because we know what it feels like as humans. There's that element of nervousness. I can find anyone to talk to, or do I know anyone here? I've got a friend here. You know, all of those those little sort of social micro insecurities that come out when we walk into a room, we can write into these scenarios and play with them. Um, so we have, I don't know, we have we have examples which are around romance. Uh, in there, we have how to stop the apocalypse in a minute. We have how to you know write a, a speech to the nation in a minute. All of these little scenarios that that put you as you into uh, little scenarios and, and and they experiment with it so it's it's great fun you know and and i think by opening it out to uh, uh, the the creator community we allow ourselves to see just to see where it's going to go and and advance i suppose the knowledge of this you know teach people teach anyone who's interested in writing it how to do it and then experiment so i think you know, it, it's not a direct answer to you, but it is saying it does feel like this is a really broad wave because we know punters like it, we know creatives and writers like it. Uh, and now let's experiment and see how people like doing it. I often go back to, to saying, you know, why did we do charisma? We did, we, we created charisma because the team here um, wanted to tell stories in that way and there was no other way to do it. So we created the tech that allowed us to do it. You know, I'm, I can't write books. I don't know how to write books, but I do. I, I do know how to do, do these sorts of projects. Well, it's a great answer because you've definitely left me, and I'm sure all the listeners need it, wanting to know more. So, Guy Kathy, yeah. thank you very much for being a guest. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. A massive thank you then to Guy Gadney for joining me on the podcast. And to recap, what have we learned? Elon Musk claims that artificial intelligence will overtake humanity in less than five years, but as writers, we needn't fear that. Guy has bridged the gap between human creativity and technology to push boundaries, and the way he portrays the challenge is genuinely exciting. Put your skills as a writer to the test. Try your hand at personalised storytelling. Could you write for a story that's ever-changing? It's incredibly important when dealing with artificial intelligence that the personalities of all the characters in a story are considered deeply. But really, that should be the case in all mediums. Avoid putting characters in just to aid the plot or another character's story arc. Make use of everyone in your story. Pay attention to all of them. 
And finally, with multiple ways of sharing your content with new audiences, it's tempting to offer your work for free to further your reach, especially when people are strapped for cash because of the pandemic. But as Guy points out, free is often just another word for nothing left to lose. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Haywood. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook as at Behind the Spine. New episodes release weekly. Please like us and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Next week, I'll be talking with cycling journalist Daniel Freed. With cycling, it's such a kind of primeval, like a physical endeavour that you can almost, you know, physically draw on that kind of, whether it be hatred or anger, and turn it into a force for your own good. Goodbye for now. Stay safe and keep writing.